0: Welcome to DreamMaker, a podcast brought to you by First National Bank of Syracuse. At FNB, we strive to make sure that every life we touch is improved. Join us for each episode as we cover a wide range of topics, from financial wellness and marketing to mental health and ways to enjoy life overall. We may even teach you a thing or two about cultivating healthy soil. We are here to improve your life and so glad you've joined us today. Now, here are your hosts for today's episode of DreamMaker.
1: Welcome to this week of the DreamMaker podcast. I'm Chris Floyd, President CEO of the First National Bank, and it's a joy to have you guys join us this week. One of the things is we always evaluate, you know, we talked about before, you know, like our vision is every life we touch is improved. And so how do we help our communities and our people in our communities thrive? And, and one of the things we kind of identified is, uh, uh, is mental health is something that kind of gets, I think, swept under the rug a little bit. And so we were out thinking about like, man, who can we get to talk about mental health, especially somebody more local. And, uh, and then it was like, all of a sudden hit us that, you know, like compass behavior health actually is in the same building as we are here in Ulysses. And so like, wow, duh, let's call them. And so we're so pleased this week to have Fernando Rodriguez. Uh, he's a, um, a therapist there at compass behavior health. And, uh, uh, just great to have him help us join us, kind of go through some issues and stuff that we're seeing, or not we're seeing. I'm not seeing, <laughs> he's seeing anyway, uh, with things going on. So, with that, uh, uh, Fernando, why don't you give kind of introduce yourself and uh, tell us about Compass Behavioral Health?
2: Sure. Oh, yes. Uh, I like to say my name is uh, Fernando Rodriguez, and I've been working for Compass since 2010. Uh, I'm a therapist. Uh, LMFT or Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, which just basically, once again, I have my master's and, you know, license, but uh, it's a little bit different than social workers or clinical, even though we kind of do the same, but sometimes it's just different schools of thought. Maybe let's put it like that. So, yeah, and also um, I'm a licensed uh, so, i mean addictions counselor too so with substance use and abuse so yeah like I said, i've been working in compass compass behavioral health since 2010 uh yeah compass behavioral health has been in, in southwest kansas kansas since uh, 1961 so previously pre- previously we used to be called area mental health but uh, i think if, I, if i'm not wrong it's 2013 2014 when we changed our name to Compass Behavioral Health. And one of the reasons was, you know, because of uh, sometimes the stigma with mental health area, mental health wasn't very appealing or sometimes, you know, inviting names. So that's why we tried to change it. So, yes, and we actually cover 13 counties, you know, um, and we have four main offices, one in, in Dodge City, uh, one in... Uh, scott city the main one which is in garden city and then like you said the one in ulysses so yes so for my story i mean yes uh i mean uh i i was born and grew up in mexico actually didn't came i mean i came to united states when i was 16 years old you know we immigrated my entire family Uh, so uh i mean yes i Finish high school here, and then I went to college to Dutch City Community College, you know, and and then from there I went to Salina to Kansas Wesleyan, and it wasn't a scholar—I mean, a scholarship for soccer, so I played sports, you know, that that level. And then my master's degree I got it from Friends University in Wichita. So, and that's kind of a little bit of me in regards to my, you know, uh, yeah, education and license. So, yes. Well,
1: cool. So what, you know, as you go through school, I think one of the things that sometimes kids get, uh, and I do the same thing, like you'll talk to, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a kid that's a senior in high school is like, what do you want to be? What are you going to do? Which seems like to be like, well, that's a lot of unfair pressure on a 16, 17, eight year old kid. Like, oh yeah, my life is mapped out right now. But was that kind of, Was your thoughts, was that when you went to college, was that like, oh, I want to do this? Or how did you evolve into getting
2: into uh, being a Mental health. Um, You know, first of all, I I love reading. So since I was little, I always read. And one of the things that, I, I mean, kind of always caught my attention was kind of the brain, you know, how the brain works and how amazing the brain is. From there, you know, I started in, in high school, I took psychology class and I fell in love with it. And then in college as well, you know, I took psychology. And then, you know, um, yeah, when I was graduating, I was like, at, we took some counseling classes in, in in my bachelor's degree. And I was like, I, I, I want to do this, you know. And that's when I started looking for programs and the one in, in uh, Friends University. I mean, I really liked it because of the approach and everything. So I applied and I got accepted and, you know, and, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I really love what I do. Sometimes, some days it's very challenging. Some days it's very emotional training, but I mean, I love it. So that's how I slowly, you know, kind of develop it and, uh, you know, and got to where I am now
1: yeah well they say what well, you love what you do it's like you never work a day in your life right <laughs> yes. yeah
2: yes, but, but yeah I mean just like I said yeah always being amazed how our brain works and I mean from the ways we can train our brain and sometimes how we, things impact you know our thinking process and mm-hmm. how our brain functions so yeah always amazing always learning about it oh yeah
1: yeah it's amazing to me kind of how I want to say powerful our mind is and how we can, you know, affects how our body acts and, you know, just the way we think. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. Um, So like you mentioned, you know, the ups and downs of your days, like, so what's like the most rewarding things that you deal with um, or what gives you that, Oh, awesome day as you go home and, or feel an accomplishment, I
2: guess. Let me think. Uh, I think being able to help someone, being able to be there when they're probably feeling at their lowest, and they're feeling, you know, have experienced some of those feelings of hopelessness, you know, like there's nothing is going to, I mean, there's nothing that uh, I can do to improve or things are will never get better. I mean, also experiencing those feelings of helplessness, right? So being there, being able to, you know, help them kind of get out of the um, state and, you know, then leave our office, you know, and and probably, you know, be able to, they're able to function and they go back to their families or, I mean, work, uh, school, I mean, and being able to kind of bounce back. And next time you see them, you know, hey, I feel better, you know, that day when we met, I mean, it really helped me out. And I mean, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of times I encounter you know patients, of course, at the store, publicly places, and it feels good, you know that, you know that they are doing a lot better, and you're making a difference in their lives. I mean, because yeah, we think about it; these are the children of people, you know, uh, parents or family. Uh, I mean, and the families don't want to see their families struggling. I mean, we are providing the help for them. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's I like helping and you know, thinking that I'm making a difference, you know, in someone's, at least providing the tools because at the end, you know, uh, that's all I can do because I cannot make them change, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I think it's a good point because it's not like you have a, you know, <laughs> you can just snap your fingers and, you know, kind of put a spell on them and fix them. It's like, you're basically enabling them to kind of the tools to get better. And, yeah. tell I
2: always tell them, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Otherwise, <laughs> Or to be rich, right? You've had them, you know, touch it, you know, make people change or yeah. probably be rich and I don't know, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. so, I mean, yeah. So yeah, what we do is we provide the tools, facilitate some of those means. And then, yeah, the, 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 at the end, the client is the hero in you know, services because they're the ones that make the change and I mean, have to face the consequences of their choices. Uh, you know, which, uh, I mean, we... which we we usually highlight in in therapy i mean uh we always i always explain this i cannot tell you what should what you should do because that's not how it works but i can tell what's not helpful and what are the options that you have and then you have to make your choices Hmm. because then you live with your consequences instead of someone else is choosing for you so but i mean yes
1: So, yeah, really what you're saying is you can't like, I guess part of it, there's like a lot of things in life. There's no specific right or wrong, I guess, or, you know, a a lot of situations, I guess, you get like, yeah, you think of some extreme deals. But really, they got to make a choice in those decisions. But
2: but that actually empowers them, you know, because once they make a decision that teaches them, okay, you know, if I was able to make it here, so I'm depending on someone else to tell me now I can, you know, transfer that skill to any other thing that I do or any other problem that I'm facing. All right.
1: So just not that one time, but for the next time or whatever pops up. That makes really sense. So you mentioned um, wanting to change. What do you think? um, And I've seen other articles, you know, I think one, I remember from way back, you know, how like 90% 90 of people, and this can be just off a little bit, but, you know, when faced with I need to change this behavior or I'm going to die like, you know, health like things, you know, a lot of us could be lighter like me or, you know, do things, more things be healthy, but we don't make those decisions. What do you think holds people back or what's the thing that snaps where they decide I will do this and make a change? I don't know if that relates to some things you talked to him about or, you know, things we have issues with in general, or what, what do you think is that triggered actually, makes them want to do that
2: yeah okay Uh, a lot of times people don't realize that they need to change right so first you in order to change you have to be aware that you need to change yes right i mean in therapy you know we say that you cannot change what you're not aware of so yeah i mean when someone wants to make a change you know first of all you know, they have to be aware, okay, there's something wrong with me, right? Or there's something that I'm not doing right, or there's something that I want to change. So first kind of raising that awareness of something that they, you know, uh, either want to or they, you know, need to change. But then, you know, uh, a lot of times people, I said, you know, they, they realize, okay, now I know I need to change this. However, a lot of times they don't know where to start, Okay. I want to make this change, you know, but I don't even know how. And, you know, then that's, I mean, a struggle because a lot of people, you know, one, but they don't know how. Second, you know, they have to be really important for them to do it. Because, you know, you're like, okay, I want to do this. This is how, This, is, I mean, this is what I need to do. However, I don't really want to, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> And then, you know, from there, you know, once the person says, okay, you know what, I really want to make this change, you know, uh, then they start working in an action plan. Okay, what do I need to, what are the steps that I need to take to make this change, right? And then, you know, they have to make, they're going to be in this trial and error process where they're going to make mistakes, but they're also learning along the way. And, and they're slowly start making this you know, as they're taking action, making this progress, one of the kind of the last uh, phases is kind of being able to maintain that change that they're trying to. So, for example, you said, I mean, if I wanna, I don't know, improve my, you know, I don't know. uh, I mean, a lot, okay, this is pretty common, right? I mean, I want to change my, my eating habits, right? Well, if I if I'm not aware that I'm making poor, you know, eating uh, choices, I mean, I'm not gonna concentrate on it. But then maybe my family, Fernando, you are not eating too much uh, junk food, or I don't know, uh, drinking too much coffee, maybe. I'm guilty <laughs> so, that one, so yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So now, okay, you know, maybe I'm gonna think, okay, maybe I'm drinking too much. But then you know I have to start thinking. Okay, I mean, what are my choices? I mean, should I replace my my uh, my tea with my coffee with tea? And I mean, how important is this for me? Do I really want to stop drinking coffee or not? I mean, this for me will be like, no, I don't want to do it because right? <laughs> I love my coffee. And I mean, then I mean, it doesn't matter what my family tell me if I don't want to. You know, even though I'm aware that I'm, it's it's a problem or These are my options, but if it's not important, you know, I I want to. But let's say it's, you know, okay, I want to change. This is really important. Then I start, you know, taking action. Okay, maybe decreasing my coffee. Maybe, you know, drinking tea, drinking more water. And then, you know, to the point that I'm able to, you know, not drink coffee at all or now and then. So, which is the maintenance, maintenance, you know, phase. A lot of times they tell us that the client has to be willing, able, to make these changes and ready to change. So willing, able, and ready, you know? So uh, yeah, if someone doesn't wanna, is not kind of meeting that criteria, it's really hard for anyone to make a change. And and we see it in many other, I mean, uh, substance abuse is usually one of the most common ones. The family really wants the person to make the change. You know, they might even have health problems and everything, but a lot of times they're not ready. Or, or willing or they don't even have the tools i mean a lot, a lot of a lot of individuals want to change but they don't even know where to start where to go so I mean, yeah so like hopefully am i making sense
1: oh yeah yeah that, no, that's perfect so like you know a lot of times you get the somebody will talk about like well you gotta hit rock bottom which and none of us like you know i can imagine having um a kid or a relative in a, in a bad situation, like substance abuse is a good one. You know, that's just, those are just heartbreaking kind of, you know, kind of gets to you just thinking about stuff, uh, you know, that gets to be some tough situations. There's are have you seen some good deals where they can, how you avoid hitting a rock bottom or something to, that change? Or is that, is that a thing or is that just stories? I guess.
2: I think first of all, there's a misunderstood understood or use. I don't know why fits better term because there's no such thing as a rock bottom right I will tell you why because what a rock bottom is for someone you know it's going to be different for somebody else so I mean how we really determine I mean rock bottom for maybe for for you is you know losing your job right but for me is I don't know going to my doctor and says Fernando you only have you keep drinking this way I don't, I don't know. I don't think you're going to make it in the six, in the next six months because, you know, your body's going to really fail. I mean, it's going to, I mean, two different situations for, you know, for you, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm having problems on my job. I'm stopping or making changes. For me, I can't lose my job, my family, and nothing. I mean, I have seen patients where, I mean, this literally, the doctor says, hey, you cannot keep drinking because your body will not be able to resist this pattern of behavior for the next six months. You might die. And guess what they did when they got home? They keep drinking. So once again, thinking about what rock bottom is really a very misunderstood concept because, I mean, it's, 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 it's different for everyone. Now, the more the patient or the person goes into a deeper you know, uh, situation from losing job, I mean, uh, hurting family members, developing a, a stronger substance abuse dependence, I mean, uh, developing health problems, being homeless, the more difficult it's going to be for them to recover and have, I mean, reach the the healthiest state, right? I mean, so Mm -hmm. allowing someone to get to the bottom that we are talking about just makes things more difficult because by that time the patient has so many obstacles that they feel like there's nothing where, I mean, I cannot call my family because they're not going to help me. I don't have a place where to go. I don't have a house. I'm having all these financial and health problems. What I'm going to do? Yeah. And yeah, so I'm also developing their mental. I mean, mental, their mental health or mental illness. You know, getting really worse. Or bad. So yeah,
1: huh? That makes a lot of sense. So now I saw I was reading a book by um, Gordon Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, his 12 rules of life. I think it was how to avoid chaos, something like that. I remember the one that got to me was rule number two, which was treat yourself as though you were in charge of taking care of somebody else. And his point through the chapter was, as you go through his a lot of times, like I can say, Fernando, you need to take care of better care of yourself, but I won't take very good care of me. You know, like if you get, I have to take chemo medicine and then, I won't do it, but I'll give my cat the chemo he needs, you know. And so it's kind of weird. I do you ever, I guess, is that common? I or seems common as you watch around that people are more interested in take care of a loved one than myself. Is that I don't know if I'm saying it right or not, or asking that question.
2: Uh, I mean, I mean, I have the book, I haven't read it yet. I have so I just sit in my shelf. Um, I mean. I think it's a human. I mean, uh, right? Uh, nature, you know, to help. I mean, we're social beings, right? I mean, right. Uh, that's kind of who we how we are hardwired to function. We're social beings, and we things are, you know, in our in our DNA. you want try probably say it, you know, to help other people. So I think you know it makes sense. Uh, you know that we want to help people, and a lot of times we neglect ourselves. Yeah. And, and unfortunately that happens, but, uh, and you know, and, and in therapy, we always kind of highlight this. I cannot take care of anybody else if I don't take care of myself first. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, because, uh, and you know, even I tell my clients that too, you know, hey, you have family, you have all these persons that you want to help, but if you don't take care of yourself, sooner or later, you're going to run out of fuel. And then what's going to happen? You know, I mean, who's going to take care of you and, and the rest? So. so, yeah, self-care is, is critical. I mean, uh, uh, hopefully I'm not getting out of such a subject, but uh, in, in our, you know, uh, marriage and family uh, school of thought, right? I mean, one of the things that they encourage, and even when, as we are, you know, doing our master's, um, uh, working on a master's degree... They have us do therapy, you know, kind of, okay, Fernando, you have to work in your crap. I mean, in, in your issues, you know, and your problems before you go out there and help somebody else. Because if you're not have the self-awareness of what are you struggling with, you don't resolve. So those past issues of, from your family or any other thing happening to you, helping somebody else is going to really be difficult or you're going to be kinder but those misinterpretations. So, yeah, so we have to go to counseling and we have to work on ourselves before we help someone. Hmm, okay. That makes a lot of
1: sense because you kind of probably helps you relate better too, right? To what they're yes, doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Huh. So along those lines, I guess, you know, as you're talking about that question, you know, I was thinking like or answer your answer was like, uh, a lot of times it seems to me there's a I won't say a negative stigma to asking for help. And I always kind of figure we all got issues, right? <laughs> I mean, there's probably none of us that don't have something we could do better. And most times, I guess you act ask our spouses, we can kind of come up the pretty good list <laughs> pretty fast, but, uh, you know, or things that uh, we can do different. So, how do you? Um, or how do you see that change, I guess, over your career? Because I think it's probably evolved somewhat. You talked about the name change at Compass from Area Mental Health. Is, that, is it easier to get people to come and visit with you and say, I, I need help? Or is it human just the way we are? I don't know.
2: I mean, I think has been, uh, progress has been made. Okay. However, I don't think we are there yet, I think we still struggle with uh, the stigma, so I mean I think nowadays people are more open you know to talk about it but it's still we still see uh, high numbers of you know patients or individuals not seeking the help that that they probably need, Uh, so I mean uh, how I mean uh, I think you know society is changing and like said, be more open but uh i mean new programs you knew uh from the government you know statewide promoting mental health but i think it, like i said we still have a long uh, a long road to travel when it comes to mental health uh, because of the stigma i mean uh, one of the things that we always highlight is that mental health and and Physical health should be treated the same. However, it's not. I mean, and they are interrelated. I mean, if if I have mental health problems, my physical health is going to be impacted. But also the other way around, if I have physical health uh, problems, my mental health is going to be impacted. However, we usually treat them differently. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and... Uh, Um, Yeah, that's kind of the model that we have. I think nowadays we have this push where we're trying to, you know, have, I mean, if I go to my doctor, my doctor doctor will try to assess, okay, Fernando, you know, have you been experiencing any depression, anxiety, and then they try to either internally or externally, you know, recommend, you know, or provide resources and uh, and vice versa ourselves, you know, in counseling is a person is having... Some health problems. We said, Look, you're coming here. However, I think it's really important that you talk to your doctor and make sure that you're, you know, physically uh, doing well or, you know, doing something. So, yes. So, once again, we have made progress, but still we have a long road to trouble. And, and, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, uh, I think this has to be generations, you know, as we're probably going to see the major changes. Mm-hmm.
1: So, it does seem like and so especially too, growing up in you know in our rural kind of farming communities it's kind of more of a you suck it up type deal you know yes. i think mentality or or if you don't just suck it up then <laughs> you know you're looked down upon, i guess too uh you kind of run into i think and um but that's kind of a but so you see it actually improving some anyway
2: yes yeah, a lot of times that uh, misunderstanding, you know, and being labeled. Oh, they're gonna call me crazy, or I'm not. I'm not strong enough, you know, or yes, I just have to suck it up, or you know, this is how it is. So you just have to be okay with it. Unfortunately, sometimes those thoughts uh, get in the way of those. Yeah, I mean, concepts or perceptions. But I mean, a lot of times, you know, people don't know where to go. Where do I go? Where who, who I call? I mean is this normal you know i mean is this okay that i feel this way so i mean yeah so misunderstanding or stigma is a way but a lot of times like i said you know uh, uh, people do not know that they're struggling with something or i mean i have sometimes hear statements from i always felt like this so i thought this was normal no one really ever told me that i shouldn't you know this wasn't normal it shouldn't be feeling or thinking this way so that's why I never looked for help because <laughs> I thought, yeah, yeah, just the way I am, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. This is how I am, so mm. uh, there's nothing I can do about it,
1: yeah. And probably uh, over time, that kind of leads to that hopelessness, right? If you think, well, I can't fix it, I can't change, and I'm stuck, and then that's just yes. yes, a bad road, huh? mm-hmm. yes. You know, earlier you mentioned us being social beings. And so I always thought it was kind of interesting how last year and a half the pandemic, how that affected not only adults, kids, you know, things that you saw. How do you think that's really or what things have you noticed out of that?
2: And I think it's going to be too early to maybe see that impact. Okay. I mean, but I think, you know, personally, I think it affected me you know, I think affect my kids. So I mean, I can, you know, firsthand, I can tell you that uh, because, I mean, yeah, I miss going out. I mean, being in public places, interacting with people, you know, playing sports. I mean, you know, yeah, I missed it. Uh, I mean, uh, so my kids too, you know, they, you know, not being able to go to uh, community events or can, the events being canceled because of, Covid and everything, you know. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, felt that we're kind of experiencing, or, you know, been impacted by that. But I think right now it's probably too early to see, you know, the the major impact. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, in the upcoming years we're probably going to see more. However, you know, uh, we know that, and this is no me saying. I mean, studies, you know, doctors and other professionals studying the human mind and brain we are developed I mean to be around people you know I mean that's how we, our civilization you know uh, raised. you know kind of develop I mean by interacting you know forming small families tribes and then becoming civilizations you know by interacting and helping each other so I mean uh, some research even shows the uh, individuals that live alone you know or don't have a healthy social circle, live long, I mean, live, uh, less than, you know, other people, uh, they struggle, you know, emotionally, they get more depressed and they even have more physical problems, you know? So yeah, being around other people, being around other humans is, is, I mean, how we were hardwired to function. How did
1: that affect like your practice of helping people Did it make it more difficult? I assume it made it more difficult, but um, just going through the pandemic and how you guys had to adjust and do things different, or were you able to kind of do everything you thought you needed to, I guess.
2: I mean, yeah, as we went through this adjustment phase where, you know, yeah, we had to, you know, I mean, close our doors, right. But then we kind of move, you know, try to find a move right away into telehealth, which has a plus and then has the downs, right? I mean, because, you know, you can reach more people. People don't, you know, don't have to leave their houses, especially if they live you know, away from, uh, I mean, uh, well, they don't have a way to transfer, uh, you know, to transfer themselves to to the office. So sometimes having the ability to do the telehealth is, is a pretty good option. However, if I'm already, if I was already struggling with isolating myself, you know, this probably make it easier. So I remember someone saying, Fernando, you know, everyone is freaking out about, you know, isolating. Well, this is normal for me. So this is, this is what I do. So isolating doesn't really bother me. However, you know, yeah, this person was isolating more now than, than before because now she wasn't even coming to our appointments, you know, live. She was doing it to, to be a telehealth. So, I mean, yeah, we went through this adjustment and for the first few months, we struggled. But eventually, you know, I mean, uh, uh, we were able to provide services. However, you know, sessions were usually shorter instead of an hour. People like 30 minutes, I'm done. But a lot of people said, look, I'm tired of Zoom. I want to go back to live. I want to see, I want to be around other people. So, yeah, nowadays we, most, most of our sessions, you know, are live because that's what, the clients want to do
1: does that help you i mean there's so much i think too of just interacting as body languages or just that is it easier for you to have somebody in the room with you to kind of pick up on things or can you get most things through zoom too or how does
2: that i think i mean usually live you know can give you more i mean more you can see more right i mean the patient you know Everything a lot, a lot of times with Zoom, you just see, you know, their torso and up. However, sometimes you, one of the things with Zoom is that you can see how they, um, I mean, they're living or environment, right? They're living conditions. A lot of times that will give you some insight, okay? You know, I mean, this is how I mean, I remember, you know, some patients they were like, no, even getting out of their bed. So, well, you know, I mean, I know it's convenient for you to be. To be doing telehealth, however, we have to get out of the bed, you know, because you know, I mean, I've seen you with the same clothes and the same situation over the last two appointments, so we have to do something. So yeah, it has the pluses, it downs, but usually we prefer live because you're able to interact more with a person in a more appropriate way. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was
1: saying as you start by the other side, I the got the thing is like, yeah, I bet you could see a lot of different things or a lot more insights too, or a, a plus of that, or being kind of what they're what they're like at the home because I guess a lot of times if they're not taking care of themselves or other things, but yeah, yes. it's crazy. So, like, um, you know, a lot of time is it depression the main thing that people deal with that you or what is that? I don't know, there's probably lots of things, but I think that the common deal,
2: or? Usually, the most common diagnosed mental illness is anxiety. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, depression is there, you know, but usually it's uh, anxiety that is the most common uh, diagnosed uh, illness. So, uh, let me see. It. Can you get some numbers? I mean, probably two, yeah, two out of 10 people are gonna struggle with, you know, some uh, mental illness, which means, you know, uh, that can be pretty high, but also, you know, out of that percentage, uh, is I think 20% of them are inciting, the rest are other mental illness okay did
1: you see to me i i could see that i guess when now you say that that we're basically a lot of things we go you just you just worry about what could happen today or what's tomorrow or just everything i guess from how my kids going to turn out you know or, or you name it will i have my job tomorrow and
2: yeah yes yeah exactly so yes so I mean, we have generalized anxiety, you know, I worry about a lot of things. And then we have the specific phobias, you know, I'm, I don't know, afraid of spiders. Mm-hmm. But then also we have panic attacks, you know, along the way, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think, yes, I agree with you. You know, those, uh, anxiety usually trigger, is triggered by fear. You know, I'm afraid of, like say you know, what's going to happen? you know, how my kids are gonna turn out or what's gonna happen to me tomorrow, I'm gonna get fired. And like I said, you know, um, uh, usually does the main kind of, well, the most diagnosed uh, illness that we usually encounter in therapy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, depression is is pretty uh, frequent too. So, but also one of the things that we see, someone that experiences the anxiety if it is not treated, can develop a major depressive disorder too. All oh, right, that's kind yes. of yeah. I mean, so for example, if I you know if I'm a very anxious person, so I'm a I mean social phobia, right? I don't, I don't want to be. I'm afraid to be among you know public because I'm afraid I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to, they're going to I'm going to embarrass myself, or they're going to just reject me, right? If I'm struggling with that anxiety, you know, if I don't address it, I mean. I'm going to probably develop a negative uh, you know experience or even you know a mindset about myself because I cannot function you know and then with time I'm going to start getting depressed getting uh, you know down struggling with my self-esteem and confidence and like I said you know if I don't address it uh, the likelihood that I develop a, a, a depressive uh, disorder is pretty high hmm. so yeah
1: Kind of like a big snowball it just keeps rolling if you don't stop it it just gets bigger and
2: bigger and bigger yes 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 and uh, you know i always tell people and that's why we have to seek this help because usually it's not going to go away by itself right most likely you no know, either it's going to stay the same or it's just going to get worse most likely you know usually it gets worse because um, you know yeah i mean doesn't go problems don't go away by themselves
1: right what do you ever see like? Certain well, a lot of people talk about like a loss of a child. Um, are those things like that? Or are there certain life events that really can trigger people into being more anxious or things like that? Or is that common?
2: I mean, um, I mean, I think major events like that. I mean, using not uh, child, you know, family member. I mean. Um, I mean, of course they can. A lot of times can be, you know, uh, I mean, accidents, you know, from car accident to, you know, uh, weather-related, you know, sometimes circumstances, they can also trigger those uh, anxiety symptoms. Uh, But, I mean, also growing up in a family, you know, where maybe anxiety is pretty predominant, you know uh, i might develop my tendencies to you know to be pretty anxious you know?
1: oh, okay
2: so yeah family or environment are i mean are, are, yeah, are a huge factor too in, in my in my mental health you know you want to put it like that
1: and really not as much genetic probably just the way things the tradition of
2: how you grew up type of deal right yes 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 so sometimes i you know have you know hear patients for another, my, this is how my mom was so she always worry or my dad always worried about everything so that's what i you know um grew up watching you know they anything they would just panic or have this anxiety attack so yeah i mean i, I was always anxious you know too because you know i was worry. That's because we usually do what we see, know what they tell us to do, right? right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're following the example that you see for sure. Yeah. So, do you see like a lot of um, the, I want to say, the issues we all have? I guess, is a lot of that come from just, I want to say, generational is probably not the right term, but maybe it is that are stuff that we just kind of gets behavioral kind of built yes. into it. Yes.
2: So, I mean, there's, right, there's always the classic nature versus nurture, right? Right. And, and, and yeah, I mean, studies been, you know, uh, done and some of us are more, are going to be more sensitive because of our genetics to certain, you know, predisposed to, to certain illness, right? From, you know, I mean, just even medical, I mean, heart problems, diabetes, some of us are going to be more sensitive because of the genetic, uh, you know, influence that we have. However i mean environment has a huge huge impact so if i'm already sensitive and 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 then i grew up in this environment that doesn't really support you know me in the other direction it probably you know, just triggers more you know or, or uh, makes my my sensitivity worse i mean i'm going to probably develop this this condition so i mean yeah so i mean temperament temperament has been studied and some dark kids are you know born with this temper temperament. Mm-hmm. And if if that family environment is not very uh structured and you know supportive, I mean the, the child tends to be more I mean a struggle like I said they will develop these conditions more and uh, more likely yeah.
1: So yeah so you may have a tendency to do something and then the way you raise can kind of be accentuated a little bit too. Yes. So you see too like so because I think well well, honestly, I think like what do I know but <laughs> but I think or is there like uh, addiction you talked about too or, or some people just genetically prone to be more addictive to things you think or
2: i, I mean uh, I mean yeah it's like i was saying yeah genetics is actually if i'm if i have it in my family there's a history of you know alcoholism right genetically I'm gonna be probably more predisposed more sensitive so, which means, you know, if I start drinking, my maybe my body is gonna respond, you know, and, and maybe I'm gonna develop a, an addiction faster than other people that are maybe not as predisposed as me. However, you know, if my environment is like, I mean, is creates this safe environment for me not to develop that exposure to alcohol. I mean, even though I'm really predisposed, you know, but I, I maybe will never become an alcoholic. However, you know, uh, if I don't have the, the environment, you know, it can be a few times and then, you know, I can, my reaction to the uh, alcohol, you know, in this case is going to be more um, faster or quicker than average. Right. Okay. Because once again, my brain or my brain or body is going to react uh, more to it because of my genetic makeup.
1: That makes sense too. And a lot of it, so you, you, know, you throw in that, like, I don't say, well, well, probably like a self talk, right? Of like, um, well, it's kind of like, well, I'm predisposed to this because so and so was that. And then it just kind of reinforces and then off you go. That's huh? crazy. Uh, wow. That's pretty interesting. So, is there ways to identify, like, um, of course, all of us are probably easier to identify as something than somebody else than ourselves. <laughs> but uh, like what things should we be looking for of like somebody's anxious or that says, you know, that would trigger, hey, you need to really we need to go find somebody some help or
2: I mean let's probably concentrate with the most common ones, right? Anxiety and depression, because yeah, there's many other illness, but I mean, the most prominent is always gonna be anxiety and depression. So with anxiety, you know, I mean, if I say, I'm I'm a parent, you know, and I see my child that is, you know, uh, struggling to maybe go to school, right? He's complaining about, uh, frequently about uh, abdominal pain, you know because or feeling sick and so i mean and it's every and it's every monday or day of the week right because weekends my child is doing really good i mean right. or, or the summer right he never gets sick however weekdays you know he's complaining about this because once again maybe that he's anxiety about going to school so my child is you know uh, shy you know or he's not very i mean, uh, I mean doesn't speak up a lot i mean uh, Something that I often see is, you know, kids go to a restaurant and they have their parents order for them because they're, uh, I mean, afraid or shy to ask, hey, this is what I want. No, they usually talk to their mom and dad say, can you order this for me? And then usually, you know, they don't want to talk to the waitress. So that's another sign. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, shyness, you know, more than usual. I mean, the kid is constantly worried, you know, com- I mean, thinking, oh, uh, what about if this happens? What about mommy, if something happened to you? What about if dad, you know, has an accident? What about if you guys don't come home? You know, that's signs. That, I mean, the kid is probably, I mean, uh, anxious, you know. Uh, another one is that they are not sleeping well, you know, they either they struggle to fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night uh, another one can be the you know the the child sometimes you know either doesn't eat or eats a lot you know anxiety can be you know uh, I mean can greatly influence that I mean because kid just has this you know uh, anxiety and they eat uh, you know as a way to cope with it so that's usually basically for anxiety For depression, you know, I mean, the child or, you know, we can also apply to to an adult, you know, but if the person has been feeling, I don't know, sad, down for more than two weeks and this sadness is more days than not, I mean, uh, that's a sign. And, you know, sadness and anxiety is normal emotion that all of us experience, right? But in this point, we're talking more than usual. And in this case, like I so, said, you know, for depression is more than two weeks already. So he's, in this case, you know, I'm feeling sad or down for, for at least two weeks, more days than that. And then, you know, I'm isolating myself more than usual. Maybe I'm more irritable nowadays, you know, anything will kind of make me upset or I get easily annoyed. Another sign can be, you know, I'm, I'm more uh, crying in spells, you know, maybe, you know, crying without a reason, right? Uh, I mean, sleep, you know, will get impacted as well. You know, like I said, I mean, either I'm not struggling to fall, stay asleep, or sometimes, you know, I just want to sleep 10, 12 hours. It's not enough. Uh, I mean, either I don't feel hungry or I can, I mean, I eat and eat and, you know, even though I ate a full meal, I still feel hungry. I mean, problems with self-esteem, self-confidence; those are another signs. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the person is losing interest, maybe on things that they used to enjoy. You know, like they don't like. I mean, they they stop doing it. Uh, I mean, and then you know, the person start maybe thinking, and this is kind of when it's probably getting worse. You know, when the person starts to think about. You know, wanting to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, or suicidal or homicidal thoughts, or I mean, and, and, you know, sometimes they just think about, you know, just wanting to die. Uh, sometimes a comment is like this, Fernando. Oh, I don't, I don't, don't want to kill myself, or I'm never going to do anything to kill myself. However, if I go to sleep and don't wake up, it doesn't really bother me. So I mean, so yeah, those are signs where you know. Uh, I mean, the person is just struggling, you know, with uh, something bigger than, you know, just normal.
1: So I imagine you run into several situations, or there's probably more than what, like, somebody like me would be aware of as far as people being suicidal or even, like you mentioned, um, just hurting themselves. Um, And, you know, you talk about hotline. I think they're changing where there's actually going to be a hotline, right? Yeah, uh, I think um, to where if something's popping up and you need to talk to somebody, you can. How does that work? Or is that? I mean,
2: a- yeah, there's always uh you know you can always call nine one one, also the uh, hotline national you know line, and then also the eight one one you know and which you know they will connect you to to you know uh, resources. But I mean, in our local area, you know, you can call us you know, uh, Compass Behavioral Health, which in the Ulysses area is the 623-56-3198. It's a 24-7 number. You know, you call us and, you know, if, if of course, if it is after hours or weekends, they will tell you, hey, right now, you know, we're closed. But if there's an emergency stay on the line, and then a real person will answer. So, yeah, one of us will answer the phone and then kind of talk to the person you know see assess what's going on and depending on what's going on we can you know provide guidance to to what to do next from a safety plan to maybe you know the person wants to be i don't know in a secure place then we can arrange and make those arrangements but yes the main thing is that the person asks for help and we can you know so that way we can provide stuff for them
1: yeah that would be Good. yeah just to make sure you ask for help that'd be the biggest thing when it um do you have how does it is it tough I guess you probably have situations where somebody's trying to refer that person to you is that how do they actually I don't say I'm asking the question the right way but um How do they get them, or do you have that happen very often where they actually bring them, somebody brings them to you to say, hey, there's, or is it more like, I need
2: help or? I don't think there's a wrong door, right? I mean, anything that can help us. So a lot of times, you know, there are different ways. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, this is, I don't know, a family member call and say, look, I have concerns about, I don't know, uh, my family member, my spouse or brother, sister, and, you know, they call us. And, and we provide, you know, information, resources. But in order to make the appointment, you know, the person has to, okay, Fernando, this is me. I want to make an appointment. And then we can, I mean, make that appointment. But um, but sometimes, you know, yeah, family, if we tell them, look, if, if you have concerns, you know, just bring your, your I mean, your, your spouse. And then let me use that example. And, and you know, and, the, and then the, the person will bring, you know, the, the spouse to the center and that we will provide the services when it's another situation where like fernando you know I, I have concerns about once again my spouse and but my spouse he or she doesn't want to go i mean and depending the situation right i mean this is if the person is having those suicidal thoughts or homicidal thoughts and plans as well as means at the point we select if the person if, if your spouse doesn't want to come You know, you have to contact law enforcement and, you know, they will uh, provide uh, the support to, you know, uh, bring them to our center. And then we can assess the person, then provide the the necessary care. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, I know law enforcement probably uh, cannot be the most appealing way to get to our center, but I mean, uh, a, a lot of times, you know, that's the best way to to provide the help, especially when the person is like, I'm not gonna go, I'm refusing to go and, and no one can force me to go. So at that point, like I said, law enforcement, I always tell them, look, you're not in trouble. This is not, not because law enforcement goes means that you're gonna get charges or now you're in a, in a legal situation. No, it's just, you know, they're the they're the ones that are gonna be, help us provide a safe, you know, transfer to our center or wherever you need to go. So, So, yes. Yeah,
1: that would be, yeah, like I say, that's just another door we can yeah. use. Right?
2: Sometimes yeah. we have doctors, the ER calling us, schools calling us, making those referrals. So honestly, like I said, there is no wrong door. As long as the person gets help, we can always find a way to to get them. And uh, sometimes we have employers, you know, bringing their, their workers because of, I mean, what they see at their you know workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of times, too, you can see, and probably maybe kind of depends on the situation, I guess. But maybe if you're kind of a little bit removed, you can see those changes over time, maybe better, too. To yes. say you're so not yeah, the thought, person you were,
2: yeah. As you want an employee, you know, that he's coming, I don't know, 20 30 minutes late every day. I mean, he hasn't taken a shower for the last week. I mean, he's not performing as he used to. He's complaining more. He's kind of quiet. I mean, those are red flags, right? I mean, that we. Today, what's going on? I mean, I mean and then that's where we kind of provide help to our employees. So, yes,
1: yeah. Well, it seems like sometimes we get, or oh, I guess the one, the two, we need to be pretty attentive because sometimes there's little changes that maybe not that extreme that are harder to notice, too. That gradual changes that, yeah, I can see you getting get mind there, too, or just not knowing, I guess, or not yeah. hard to be aware of everything, I
2: guess. And, and but this is one of the things you know, when an employee is not feeling well, or when anybody is, is not feeling well, their performance level is going to decrease. Mm-hmm. So now, is I mean, if if I have an employee and you know, he or she is struggling with a mental illness, now he or her performance is going to be impacted, right? Which now is costing you know, a financial burden to the family. It, it's not about the financial piece, but it, Just kind of highlighting when someone does, is not feeling well, they're not gonna function well either.
1: Yeah, kind of gives you a good red flag to make sure see what is wrong. I guess what's happening. So yeah. Hmm. So also, I guess seems like to me, I've noticed that, and maybe this is just you know sometimes you notice a few things, and so then you kind of think, well, that's the way it is, but. I guess, is a anxiety? Do you see like anxiety or depression either way, it kind of affects how they make decisions going forward? Like, you know, if I, you know, quality decision making, I guess, when you yes. run certain situation. Yes.
2: So, if I'm struggling with depression and anxiety, you know, often we're going to engage in what we call irrational thoughts or cognitive distortion, which, you know, is negative ways of seeing things, right? So, An example can be, you know, uh, if I'm uh, anxious, you know, I'm going to often jump to conclusion, right? So I get an email, right? And my supervisor says, Fernando, I need to talk to you ASAP, right? And that's all she said because of my anxiety, right? I mean, mean, I'm going to start to engage. Oh, I'm going to get fired. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I did something wrong and. And, and I'm now I'm gonna get fired, and I'm gonna lose my job because she wants to see me as soon as possible. But that's an irrational thought because at this point I don't even have a proof. She have not said, Fernando, you made a mistake and you may, I mean, we have, I mean, uh, I don't know, an issue to address. No, uh, so I'm engaging in what we call in the uh, jump into conclusions. I'm, you know, jumping ahead of time. I don't know yet what's going on, but in my mind, because I'm anxious, you know, I'm thinking about the worst consequences, you know, we call them predicting the future as well. So, yes, I mean, uh, my anxiety, my depression can impact the way I see things, how I view things, how I process, and then I make decisions. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having that anxiety, maybe that day I didn't, I mean, I didn't sleep well. I didn't even eat because I'm so anxious and worried about my job, you know, that uh, I'm probably going to be making more mistakes. I'm driving and maybe I'm paying attention to what's going on around me. So, yes, it has a huge impact on how we make decisions.
1: Yeah. Seems like just another kind of snowball, <laughs> I guess. There's a yes. lot of so I think that we have to at some point just kind of grab ourselves out of it or ask for help so we can get out of those situations uh, for sure.
2: But,
1: you know, how to, like you started, you said you started practice if I remember right, 2010. Is that right? Yes. So one of the big things changed a lot since you started practicing would be social media. Yes. So, I mean, there's some good part, you know, we like I said, we are social people. How do you, I guess there's probably a lot of things. It's got to be kind of addictive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably every issue we talked about <laughs> gets magnified. What do you see, like. The goods or bads or how we should uh, handle ourselves with.
2: Certified. I mean, I, I think social media, internet, you know, it's a tool. And like anything, you know, right, that we have our uh, disposal, you know, we can use it in a healthy or we can use it in an a unhealthy way. So, I mean, I don't think social media is, uh, you know, bad thing. However, if we use it appropriately, I think we can get to those you know unhealthy habits but uh but i mean yes yeah, i agree nowadays you know i mean i grew up without social media i mean i grew up without a phone so for me i mean i mean sometimes it's hard you know to to understand the new generations but yeah nowadays we see a lot of anxiety in regards to social media because you know um, physical i mean for example you know the physical appearance is a lot i mean new generations have more pressure on their physical appearance, how they look, you know, filters. What are you doing? What are, I mean, what is up to your life? A lot of times, you know, we see, you know, oh yes, I'm in, I don't know, Hawaii, right, having this amazing trip. And if I'm right here, in, you know, Southwest Kansas, where you know I don't get to go anywhere, and it's windy, like yesterday, you know, <laughs> and, I mean, it's
1: like it's the same I, thing. <laughs> the wind like,
2: what? I'm going to feel depressed, right? And one of the things that we're going to do is so I'm going to start to compare myself with other people. And, and then I'm going to say, look, my life sucks, you know? I mean, this is awful. And then I'm going to start to get depressed, start to develop a, a negative view about myself. So, I mean, yes, yeah, so in that way, social media, you know, is, 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 is a struggle. I mean, nowadays, you know, now you post or you something online and it stays there forever, you know? you cannot take it back so a lot of times you you know youth um, fortunately you know post something and then you know they, it's always there they cannot they cannot take it away and for you to see in in, in the world I mean, entirely so i mean it, they have that extra pressure you know to 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 yeah behave and even do things differently mm-hmm. i mean and you know I mean, technology overall, you know, has this affecting us. So one of the things that research that I read a couple years ago is that the new generations get stressed and frustrated when their cell phone takes more than two seconds to download a page. Two seconds. (laughs) They get frustrated. They think, oh, this cell phone is so slow. I need to make an upgrade. Let me get something faster. I mean, you and I that grew up, you know, first of all, without internet, and second, when we had to dial up, you know, where you had to click, click. Yeah. If someone was using the phone, you know, you good luck, cause you were not gonna use it unless you could afford a second line. Yeah. <laughs> most of us couldn't, so. But I mean, yeah, it took forever to download a page and then you wanted to download a, something else. It took longer minutes, you know, to download, a, I don't know, a, another page and switch between pages. And nowadays, you know, I mean, yeah, we have a phone, and it's so powerful, so fast. But still, we are not, you know, we're not at uh, please. I mean, we still wanted something faster than than what we have. So, I mean, yes, I mean, and that is, <laughs> and that is, I don't know, amazing, or you know, for better, for a better word, you know, uh, to see. Yeah. Along
1: those lines, like it seems like too. You talk about kids posting or any of us really posting something maybe like we shouldn't have but seems like too there's more consequence to it you know it's not like you know there's one deal where a, um, a gal got kicked out of a university because of something she posted you know going into freshman year but she might have been a freshman sophomore in high school and then you have like oh that consequence which seems to me I don't know why do you think our society is getting that way, do you think? I don't know, if you had to psychoanalyze the whole group of this I guess.
2: all uh, right we don't get into a lot of, you know, uh, contradiction. I mean, uh, I mean, I think our, you know our society is changing, and I agree with you. I mean, we have even, uh, you know, witness, you know, uh, famous people, right? Actors, you know tweeting something back in 2010, 2011, and now 10 years later, you know, when they don't even remember what their, what they was about that thing, you know, that comment is catching to them and now they're being judged. And, I mean, and it's unfortunately, you know, because I mean, all of us, all of us change, right? I mean, in physics, they, they always tell us, the only constant in physics is change. Everything is always changing. So, I mean, I mean, I can tell you myself, I can I don't think the same way that I thought, I don't know, ten years ago, right? I mean, my beliefs, you know, have or I mean uh, have changed based on what I have learned and experienced, right? And so I mean sometimes we held, you know, people accountable for things that yeah, they they change they, they thought I don't know, 10 years ago and they maybe they're not in the same place. However, you know, still make them pay the consequences for them. So I think, you know, it is hard, but I mean, I, you know, remember reading uh, something along these lines that now our society is becoming more uh, sensitive, you know, and and we struggle more to tolerate people that have different points of view. You know, I mean, I mean, and it, it is hard. I mean, we, it probably has a, a good intention, but a lot of times, you know, if Chris disagrees with me now, you know, Chris, we cannot have anything in common, and you cannot talk to me, you know, uh, you have to stay away from me, because, you know, we disagree on something, which, you know, is a big problem, because, I mean, we should be able to, okay, you and I, we don't agree on something, Chris, it's fine, you know, but it doesn't mean that we cannot still interact, we can, doesn't mean that we cannot still have a a civil you know relationship i mean we just don't see eye to eye on this topic which can be fine but uh i mean we see you know like i said without getting too much i mean in, in in our last election i mean i honestly in therapy i have patients say for another i don't talk to my family because of the elections they support this side i support this other one and we're not talking about it and i was like what they say yes and i said okay i'm not going to say anything else because <laughs> and you're not going to show up to my therapy session, but I mean, yes. I mean, so I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I said, you know, there's this um research that yes, yeah, as a society we're moving to more, uh, you know, more extra sensitive and less tolerate, toler- tolerating, you know, I mean, understanding, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, we have different points of view and we don't have to agree, which is fine. You know, as long as we respect each other, I mean, but yeah. I think
1: the big thing, like you said, is like, we're always changing and, you know, you know, our goal ought to be, you know, we're going to get, think better, do better, you know. And sometimes, you know, you think about our kids, like, you know, our teenagers, they're going to do teenager-ish things and they're not going to be perfect. or And I think you got to, I guess, allow a little grace for them to grow up, I guess, or like even me, I got to need time to grow up as well still. So a lot of
2: yeah. One of the things that I, you know, especially with parents, I, you know, I tell them, look, the time that you and I grew, grew up is going to is different from what your kids and my kids are growing up. So for us to compare them, you know, or have the same expectations is not, I mean, rational. So, I mean, they're, I mean, uh, so for example, in my kids, you know, I grew up in a farm, you know, right in Mexico and, and everything. So, my experience, you know, is going to be totally different to, to my kids. So for them to, I mean, for me to have the expectation that they have to see or even uh, make the choices that I make, I mean, it's going to be a little bit irrational. So I think that's something that we have to be kind of mindful or conscious aware, you know. I mean, I tried to, I mean being a parent is not an easy job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. But I mean, yeah, we have to always take that into consideration that our society is changing and we have to learn and provide the support to our kids because yeah nowadays is my point was that nowadays is more difficult to be a teenager than back in the day right
1: yeah it's like um seems like to me maybe context is always important right so what is my situation um Versus now versus then because it's yeah it makes everything different. Yeah, it's one of those deals. You always like, oh, you know, if you could handle like I handle it, it'd been fine. <laughs> it's not the same, you can't do it the same. I
2: oh, mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, crazy was your experience? But um, I mean, uh, like I said, my experience, I grew up, you know, and, and and probably my my extended family lived around us, so. You know, we, I went to school with my cousins, you know, my brother, my sister. So, I mean, and yeah, a lot of extended family there. So for me, yeah, it was a very, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, happy, you know, uh, memory. I mean, nowadays for my kids, is different because, you know, my extended family lives in different parts of the country. So we rarely see each other. My kids, you know, it's just uh, both of them. Sometimes they don't go to the same school, right? Well, at least not right now because of their age. But a lot of times we don't even know our neighbors, you know, which back in the day, like I said, my entire, you know, that 10 houses next to us was, you know, family members. And, right. you know, so, I mean, like I said, that was my experience. So I don't know for you, how was it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was kind of the same way. I grew up with a lot of cousins a lot of times, and I'm kind of lucky enough to still... Quite a bit of family around. So, but you know, sometimes you take that for granted a little bit too, you know, that that's uh so provides some different experiences, I guess. And, and sometimes something. you miss out too because I don't get to meet somebody new because I'm my family,
2: you know. Yeah. So, some studies show that in average in the United States, we move between eight to 10 times in our lifetime. And like, and I've been counting mine. It's like, yeah, they're right. Yeah. So far, I'm like five or six. <laughs>
0: um
1: so one question you know you said you grew up or you guys you moved, immigrated here when you're 16 yes. what was that like getting kind of just thrown in I guess for lack of a better term um, or what things challenges because we got a lot of kids like my wife she does uh, she's a full-time substitute teacher and um, like one time she was actually in a class where you know similar to age kid I think she's teaching geometry that time so when have a 15, six-year-old kid that popped in not knowing any English, and then all of a sudden you're in geometry class. It's like, what, the, or from your experiences and things you've seen, what things can we do to make
2: that easier for those kids? Wow, oh, uh, I mean, it's a hard one to, to answer, right? I mean, um, I mean, yes, you know, coming to, to a different country, you know, different um, culture, you know, weather, food, we talk about it. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, you know, change and huge impact thing, you know. So for me, I mean, it was a culture shock, right? I mean, uh, I remember watching, you know, um, TV shows and everything. And I think, oh, that's how United States is, right? When I get here, like, okay, that's not how the movies (laughs) show it. So, I mean, yeah, so it was uh, different. I mean, what helped me, I mean, uh, I think uh, adjust and, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, and integrate our society. I mean, was, I know around me, there were a lot of teachers that were very open, you know, and willing to, to learn about me, but at the same time, you know, to teach me. And I think I really appreciate that. I mean, a lot of my teachers are still finding, you know, when we go to stores and now they see me with my family. And I mean, and they, you know, remember me, which, you know, it's always great. So I think always, you know, saying, look, I'm gonna help you, what do you need? And, and you know, and I mean, that belief, you know, that support is pretty good. And eventually, you know, we, we start to to catch up and adjust you know, and integrate our, in our society, because, I mean, but yes, so, I don't know if I answered your question.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think one neat thing, I've always thought about kids, and I'll guess, I guess my impression, so let's see if you agree or disagree, but, like, um, there's just, I think we underestimate the potential that our kids have, and what they can accomplish, and what they can do, and sometimes, you know, you think about how fast, you know, you adapted to English or some other, you know, kids anywhere, anywhere the school, you know, how fast they can learn and get, you know, get things going. I just think we underestimate that too much a lot of times of what our kids are capable. And so I don't guess, I guess that part of education that I think you're talking about is like, how do we keep that, you know, you can kind of be a great facilitator and helping those kids achieve kind of whatever they want to get to, I guess. in Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know in the past i used to go to the high schools and you know especially kind of going to those classrooms where you know the new students would come you know kind of explain my experience and kind of say, look i mean yeah it's hard work but i mean it can be done as long as you try mm-hmm. so i mean yes uh, so uh, one of the things you know that i uh, i mean our brain has what we call plasticity right our ability to you know, shape and change and grow. I mean, uh, I mean, at uh, some point, you know, years ago, it was believed that once you know you reach certain point, your brain stop maturing, changing, and that's all you can get. Nowadays, you know, they say that our brain brain is has plex uh, plexicity, which is the ability to change and grow, and that never stops until the day that we that we die. I mean, uh, so what I'm trying to say is that we can always learn and, and, you know, it doesn't matter how old we are or, you know, how young we are. We should always kind of strive to learn things, you know, from, I mean, that's the only way to keep our our brain healthy, trying to learn new things, creating new patterns, new connections in our brain. I mean, even research shows that, you know, individuals that learn a new language do a lot of brain games and things like that they decrease significantly the, the likelihood of developing alzheimer or dementia because their brain is in good shape right. you know so so yeah i mean yeah i mean just like our body you know we have to keep in shape we have to exercise our brain needs the same thing you have to keep making those connections you know so it can stay healthy yeah i always
1: joke when my uncle, team was always amazing even though he's like he's in his 90s now but he's always super good at doing mental math and it's like you know it's like you know you're figuring yields or something and he just bam 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 he gets you know like maybe you know not getting the perfect number get really close I was like man you got to keep that part you know it's a good example like you yes. mean if you don't use it you lose it type of deal so yes yes <laughs> got to keep working at that so yes that, that is true yeah you just got to keep those things firing yeah that's good news too so we all have hope right we can still yes <laughs> and now we don't have excuses oh i'm too
2: old. i shouldn't learn these
1: yeah yeah <laughs> too old to learn another language or math or whatever yeah
2: well
1: cool well i don't want to hold up any longer fernando i really appreciate you taking the time i guess um you gave us a number right Yes. So if ever need contact, I guess that number works. Well, 24-7, he said. So during yes. the week, or get a hold of you guys. Yes. Um, I just lost it. He said it 620-356. Ah. Yeah, 620-356-3198.
2: 3198.
1: Okay. So, yeah. So I guess if uh, – any door we can get to somebody needs help, any door they want to use to get to you guys, then let's make
2: sure it happens. There is no wrong door to come to to our services. Like I said, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. Addressing and receiving, you know, treatment for mental health is crucial. And, you know, and yeah, we don't have, I mean, prevention is always cheaper than treatment. And that's even in the medical, we don't feel, you know, so yeah, we don't have to wait, you know, to be in a really you know, a difficult situation to seek help. You know, is noticing those changes, those, you know, that we have to consult and, and you know, and that way we can address it and it doesn't develop into something that is, you know, more chronic or, or then, you know, we are gonna have more challenges, but yeah, our mental health is gonna affect our, our ability to work, our academic performance, our ability to relate to other people, I mean, relationship with with our family, you know, with with friends, you know, and and is going to have a major impact in everything we do. So it is it is crucial that we seek help. And like I said, like I said earlier, you know, we should treat it as, just as as physical health. They're the same, mm-hmm. and they influence each other. So, yeah. Well, that's
1: cool. Well, I appreciate the time, Fernando. And like you uh, said, if you need to get somebody into one of those doors that's so 620-356-3198 yes. or uh in one of any one of the towns i guess that would get you yes. to so yes. uh, well, I, I appreciate what you do to help people fernando that's really cool and i really really liked uh it was good to get to visit with you about this and so appreciate everything you do
2: no i really thank you for inviting me i really enjoyed uh you know i mean yeah talking about this subject like seeing mm-hmm. it's my page Passion and, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, there's many more topics that we can always, you know, discuss and yeah, we, you know, you guys decide to invite him in the future I mean, be glad to, to you know, um, uh, do it again. I mean, I mean, uh, another, you know, always like to throw these kind of things. But do you know that financial health and mental health are also related? Oh, okay. Uh, so if I'm struggling financially most likely I'm going to develop a mental illness or my mental health is going to be impacted or other way around. Yeah. If I'm struggling with a mental illness or I'm struggling with mental health, my financial situation is going to be impacted. Ah, Okay. Yep. I, I a lot think- of times we don't think about
1: that. Yeah, you don't. I can think of examples. <laughs> so yeah. yeah yes. Well, awesome. Well, I appreciate uh, you taking the time, and and I'll take you up on that. We'll we can talk about some more stuff again. So okay.
2: Well, no, thank you very much, and yeah, I really appreciate it. Any time, just let me know, and and we can do this again. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> thank you.
2: Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to DreamMaker, making dreams come true. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on social media at FNB Windmill and online at fnb-windmill.com. Heard a topic that could enrich someone else's life too? Be sure to share this podcast with friends and family and check back regularly for new episodes or subscribe so you never miss a show. See you soon.